Good morning, 10 Mile. Um, my name is Jared Pryor, for those that don't know me. Um, as some of you know, I grew up in McLeansboro. As a child, I sometimes came to 10 Mile with my great-grandmother, Vilma Johnson, when the church still met in the old sanctuary. This probably would have been back in the 80s, long before the rest of the circles were built. Sometime around my sophomore year in high school, the pastor of the Methodist Church in town where I attended, as well as my Sunday school teacher, challenged our youth Sunday school class to read the Bible, and I took up that challenge. When it came upon the account of Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler, which is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Lord convicted me. I did not want to walk away from Jesus sorrowful as the rich young ruler had done. He was unwilling to follow Christ because the things of this world had an intense hold on him. He would not give them up to follow Christ. He let the temporary get in the way of the eternal. I did not want that to be my story, and there in my bed that night, I put my faith in Christ. Not long after that, the Lord brought Melissa Allen into my life. She was strong in her faith and challenged and questioned me about what I believed and why. Uh, she asked a lot of hard questions. And this caused me, after almost every date that I can remember for a year or so, to go home dig through the index in the back of my Bible and find answers that I could then take back to our next date. Um, the Lord grew and matured me, and uh, he definitely used Melissa in that. I graduated from McLeansboro High School in 1997 and married Melissa in 2000. In 2001, the Lord led us to New Orleans, where I received my bachelor's degree in Christian ministry, followed by a master's in counseling from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, which is one of our six Southern Baptist seminaries. It was in New Orleans that the Lord nurtured my heart for ministry and missions. The greatest way he did this was through Hurricane Katrina and all that he led me to do in its aftermath. Shortly after we returned to New Orleans after the hurricane, our pastor at First Baptist New Orleans asked me to join the staff, the church staff, to coordinate volunteers for our disaster relief and rebuilding efforts. I remember driving around the city in the days shortly after the flood um, when the floodwater had receded and being overwhelmed by all of the need and this devastation that I saw. Every road I turned down, everywhere I looked, there was devastation for miles and miles in every direction. It felt hopeless. The Lord reassured me that I could not do this alone, and he provided an army. From the fall of 2005 until the spring of 2011, approximately 21,000 volunteers from all over the U.S., Parts of Canada and other portions of the world came to work with our church by gutting out 1,000 flooded homes, rebuilding a handful of homes, and building 60 homes in partnership with Habitat for Humanity. It was amazing what the Lord did, how he provided, and the doors he opened to share the gospel in New Orleans that had not been opened to us before. Um, he literally flooded the churches in the city, pushed us out into the streets, and, and, and caused us to interact with people that we may not have wanted to before. And the Lord opened doors. Since returning to Illinois and becoming a part of 10 Mile, I've had the opportunity to lead some of our Surf Saturday weekends and went on three of the trips that our church has taken to work with the Lee family who are missionaries we support in Crincrin, Nicaragua. In my younger years, uh, for those of you that have known me since I was little, I was known to be quiet and timid. I can still be this way. Um, but God is my strength now. Growing up in McLeansboro, I had no desire to live anywhere else. Uh, when I was working as a physical therapist assistant, uh, or working on my physical therapist assistant degree at SIU Carbondale, 
uh, back in 2000, 2001. Um, my desire was to graduate, build a house, and build a house in my parents' backyard. Um, but God had other plans. He led me to places outside of my comfort zone, places such as New Orleans, where Melissa and I lived for 10 years, and where Lily and Lainey were born, Colombia, South America, Crin Crin, Nicaragua, Central Asia, uh, all of which I spent time on short-term mission trips at those various places. He expanded my view of the world and his heart for the nations. I'm grateful for all the opportunities he has given me, and I pray that he will stretch and grow those here who may be like I was, afraid. I do not want fear to keep me from trusting the Lord where he leads me, even if it doesn't make sense to those around me. I want my girls to boldly trust the Lord wherever he leads them, and I pray I will never be a hindrance to his work in them. As Paul reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6-7, through 7, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, or as some translations translate fear as timidity, uh, but of power and love and self-control. Do not let fear and timidity dictate your obedience to God. These are not from God. Power, love, and self-control are from God. One way the Lord has recently tested and stretched my faith and my trust in Him came a little bit over a month ago on a trip where He led me to the other side of the world. It was 2 a.m. on Thursday, September 29th in Central Asia, uh, about 10 hours ahead of, of this time here, so it's about 11 o'clock here, so it's about 7 o'clock there uh, in the evening. I woke up, I prayed for sleep, but it did not come. Around 6.30, I got out of bed and texted Melissa asking her to pray. I had been tasked by one of our IMB International Mission Board missionary partners to speak with a group of local believers later that morning. This was one of the main roles I had been given on this trip in addition to doing counseling with missionaries, which is also known as member care. If you come back this evening, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that um, as we also enter into our Lottie Moon offering time of giving to the International Mission Board missionaries and where some of that funding goes. So I will be talking about that later this evening. Uh, the believers I would be speaking with that Thursday morning included national women, um, national women who provide trauma counseling for female refugees from a neighboring country. The refugees they help have been trafficked and abused. These counselors, um, these counselors have a great and honorable task in helping those who have suffered greatly. Two pastors and their families from a neighboring country were also present. A gentleman named Scott, who I traveled with to Central Asia and who had once been a missionary there, woke up to find me sitting on the couch in the guest house where we were staying. He offered help with cultural insights and speaking to a group of national believers and prayed with me as I prepared for my opportunity to speak with the believers about ministry burnout that morning. In a country where the population is around 10 million people, there are approximately 5,000 believers. So let that sink in. Um, compare that to the population of our own state, which is about 12.5 million people, and the population of our own county, which is about 8,000. Imagine if the 8,000 residents of our county were the only believers in the entire state. That is the reality in this Central Asian country. The believers in Central Asia work hard but see little fruit. It would be easy for them to give up thinking they are making no impact. I frequently heard the missionaries compare the spiritual soil in this country to huge clods of dirt. It is hard to plant seeds in a clod of dirt. 
Pray that the Lord would till the soil there and make it fertile so that the gospel can take root. The pastors from a neighboring country that I met with that day live with the reality that they could be deported without explanation at any time. Burnout for our brothers and sisters in that part of the world looks a little different. At the same time that Scott was encouraging me that morning, my wife forwarded me a message that David Dykstra had just posted on our Sunday School class's Facebook page. Jared, God has placed you and your trip on my mind three times today. You've been in my prayers today, hopefully for encouragement, but if you're experiencing any trials, keep in the forefront of your mind the same God who orchestrated your mission will preserve you and bring your task to completion according to his will. Godspeed. I was overwhelmed in that moment by God's grace toward me and his reminder that he was with me. Uh, David had no idea what I was walking through in that moment. I was thousands of miles from here. I had not messaged David to say, hey, this is what's going on. Things are really crazy right now. Um, the Holy Spirit was at work in, in, in revealing that to David and having him pray for me. Um, I was sick. I was tired. Uh, the Lord provided the strength encouragement and prayers from fellow believers and his word to accomplish the task he had given me that morning. At 10 o'clock, the local believers entered a room on the second floor of the women's center where the female refugees are ministered to. There were 10 or so of the female counselors present, as were the two pastors and their families. The believers were hungry for God's word. They do not take scripture for granted. They do not have access to scripture like we do as their government has only allowed the legal printing of about 5,000 copies of Scripture. Is the Word of God precious to you, church? We've walked through Scripture passages on enduring and persevering to encourage them to continue on in the faith and not to give up on the task the Lord has called them to do. I read passages in English while the native believers and believers from a neighboring country read the same passage in their respective languages, I recorded that time because I want to relive it over and over and over again because it was such a special moment. I wish I could play the audio for you just to hear their voices. Some of my Sunday school class got to hear it a few weeks ago. But just to hear the chorus of voices in different languages reading God's word together um, was an experience I do not want to forget. And it's an experience all of us will one day experience who know Christ, who will stand before the throne, which I will get to here shortly. We had great discussion. They asked really hard questions. One of the pastor's wives spoke of the challenges of being isolated and alone as believers in that country. There are few believers there, and some in outlying villages do not often get to see or be around other believers. So church, do not take for granted the opportunity we have to meet together today and at any moment be able to call up a fellow brother or sister in Christ to talk to them, because not everybody in the world has that privilege. At the end, they asked me to come back to share more with them. I pray that someday I may return to see them again. They showed me great hospitality, as everyone did in that entire culture, and they're very, very kind people. One of the pastors insisted on making me a cup of coffee, and I will never forget the gesture of love and kindness offered in that cup. In addition to spending time in the Word, I was overwhelmed by the thought of passages, as I just mentioned, Revelation 5.9 and 7.9, where we see a great multitude from every tribe, nation, and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I experienced a foretaste of that on that Thursday morning. These believers in a distant country thousands of miles from my home are just as much my brothers and sisters in Christ as those sitting here in this room today. I had my picture taken with them to remember them and to remember to pray for them. I wish I could show you that picture, but for security reasons, I cannot. 
because uh, it would put their lives at risk. I come to you this morning in the spirit of Acts chapter 14, verse 27. This is Paul and Barnabas. Um, Paul, and Barnabas Paul and Barnabas had returned to the church in Antioch, the church that had commissioned them to go out on their first missionary journey at the beginning of Acts chapter 13. They had returned to Antioch to report all that God had done. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So just to give you a little uh, quick side note, um, each time we see the word for nations or Gentiles in the New Testament, it is the same word in the original Greek language, ethnos, meaning ethnic or ethnicity. Um, Gentile is the Latin word for nations. So, so those words are interchangeable. So just tuck that in the back of your pocket for when you come across nations or Gentiles in Scripture. It's the same word. I come declaring today what the Lord has done and how he is opening the door of faith to the Gentiles, the nations, both in Central Asia as well as on farms in Southern Illinois. Why do we go because of this future picture painted in Revelation of believers from every tribe, nation, and tongue standing before the throne of God and before Christ, I know that the church will ultimately be successful in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is the church's mission. It is the mission given to us by Christ to accomplish. What is your part in that? What is our part in that? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, also known as the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in, in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Christ has authority over all, and he commands us to go to the nations. This idea is not isolated to the New Testament. We get a foretaste of the Great Commission early in the Old Testament. If you'll turn back with me to Genesis chapter 12, so just 12 chapters into the beginning of the Bible, we see the call of Abraham in, in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go. So focus on that word there, go, just as he's calling us to go now. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all the families of the earth, um, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So how are the families of the earth going to be blessed through Abraham? By the gospel being taken to the ends of the earth. How do I know this passage in Genesis is talking about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Flip with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 14, which you'll see up on the screen there. And in verse 8, Paul writes, In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Go back to that verse in chapter 12 of Genesis, you see that those are the same phrases there. In you, all nations shall be blessed. And Paul is considering that the gospel is being preached to Abraham in that time. So it's definitely talking about the gospel, and it's definitely talking about blessing the nations um, through Abraham. 
In verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham, that is the gospel, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. At the beginning of Genesis 12, Abraham was lost. God was calling him out of a pagan culture and would make a great nation of him. He needed to hear the gospel. God preached this gospel to him and Abraham was justified or made right before God by his faith in that gospel. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, we get a picture of that, the the justification by faith that Abraham experienced. And it's written, And he believed the Lord, that's Abraham, and he counted it to him as righteousness. If you flip to uh, Romans 4, which I'm not going to be preaching from today, but I would encourage you to go there just to study what Paul talks about regarding justification by faith or or being, being saved by faith. It's his, uh, his discourse on that in Romans chapter 4. There is no other way to be saved. Luke writes in Acts chapter 4, verses 12, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no, one, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, we must put our faith and trust in Christ. We are justified by faith just as Abraham was, and we must take the blessing of Abraham the same message God preached to him, the gospel of Christ to every nation. As Abraham was commissioned by God, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. We too must step out in faith to follow the Lord wherever he is leading, whether it be across the street to talk to our neighbor, whether somewhere else in the U.S., another country, or when the Lord brings the nations to our backyard. He has commissioned us, his church, to go to take the gospel message to everyone, everywhere. There will be no change in our community, in our state, in our country, or in this world without the proclamation of the gospel. Everything else is just a band-aid to the hurt and the pain and will in the end be found wanting. The gospel was, is, and always will be the only remedy for a lost and dying world. So what are we doing with this precious gift that God has given us, church? Do we polish it each week, leaving it on a shelf in our house to stare at, or do we take it and share it with others because its beauty is so great and magnificent magnificent that we cannot help but share it with others? Ten Mile, believers in Christ, we must share this message with the lost and dying world around us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for our world. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, the Apostle Paul writes, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I pray today that there will be people sent out from here, um, whether it be in your neighborhood or across the earth, to share this good news. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word must be proclaimed and it must be heard to take root in the heart of man. The Lord is always at work whether or not we recognize or perceive it. He works in mysterious ways. The the world is his canvas in his painting and, and he is painting his work of art. As my youngest daughter, Lainey, so beautifully wrote in a paper recently, 
God is so infinitely vast, and this is his painting. We paint with brushes. He paints with a billion stars and galaxies, and he knows my name. The God of a trillion stars knows my name. Um, I burst into tears the first time I read that. Or read, yeah, read that. Um, but that from the, the mouth of my 12-year-old daughter. One of the many canvases upon which the Lord has been painting involves pumpkins and a farm. Instead of believers going to a distant country to share the gospel, the Lord instead brought the distant land to us. In September of last year, Kenny Wilson, formerly of IBSA and the North American Mission Board, reached out to me asking if I would go to a sister Hispanic church in Chicago to pass out fresh produce and Bibles. After overcoming some hurdles and going, I began the trek to Chicago the first weekend in October of 2021, along with Jeremy Wilson. We pulled behind us a trailer filled with various fresh produce and about 100 pumpkins, my in-laws later met us in Chicago to help. We arrived at Starting Point Church in the belmont Cragen neighborhood northwest of downtown Chicago uh, sometime early that evening, ate dinner with Pastor Jonathan De La O, and prepared for the distribution the next morning. After distributing the produce and pumpkins, I spoke briefly with Pastor Jonathan, learning a bit about the history of his church and how it started. He and his wife had planted the church in that neighborhood seven years earlier. Both of them were originally from California before studying at Wheaton College and then moving into Chicago to plant this church. As I was standing with him in front of the church, I recalled a conversation that had taken place at a recent Sunday lunch where it was mentioned that my nephew Hunter had a desire to be able to communicate and share the gospel with the migrant workers he worked alongside at a farm near his house. The thought came to mind, Jonathan and the members of his church speak Spanish. I wonder if they would be willing to come to Southern Illinois to share the gospel with these migrant workers. We don't know the language, but they do. I posed this question and I did to Jonathan. He was immediately on board. When I returned home, I began attempting to find out how many migrant workers come to our area each year and when. And then I received a phone call. Leon and Andrea Adams had begun uh, coming to my Sunday school class about a month earlier, sometime in either August or September of 2021. Um, at that time, I was acquainted with Leon and knew he was a farmer, but I did not know much about him beyond that. Uh, I've since learned a lot. <laughs> uh, he had seen the pumpkins we passed out in Chicago and some photos I had posted on Facebook. Seeing the pumpkins prompted me to call him, or prompted him to call me. He spoke to me about growing, growing pumpkins on his farm beginning a few years earlier and having a desire to return to Chicago with me if I were to make a return trip to distribute more food at Starting Point. I shared with Leon the migrant worker outreach idea I had shared with Jonathan. He began to tell me about the migrant workers who come to his farm each September and October to harvest pumpkins and went into detail about their work and where they stay when they are in southern Illinois. Leon also shared that when the migrant workers began working at their farm a few years earlier, he and Andrea had begun to pray for a way to reach them. The nations were coming to their doorstep, and the Lord was putting together his plan to reach them with the gospel. It was clear the Lord was at work. The family lunch conversation, the trip to Chicago, the conversation with Jonathan, the Adams was joining my Sunday school class at that exact time, the prayers they had already prayed for an opportunity to reach these workers, there were still many hurdles to overcome, but we knew that the Lord was with us and that we could not do this alone. In March of this year, a group of nine, including some adults from my Sunday school class and our kids, went to Starting Point, this time to pass out 12 pallets of food we had received from the now defunct, closed-down IBSA disaster relief warehouse in Mount Vernon. 
This would be the first chance Leon and Jonathan could meet. At Giordano's Pizza that night, Leon was able to share with Jonathan about his farm and the approximately 50 migrant workers who work at his farm each fall, as well as an additional 50 that work at a farm near Centralia. It was amazing to watch how the Lord continued to put the pieces together. I sat in awe as I enjoyed my deep dish pizza and watched the Lord painting his masterpiece. Jonathan's wife, Emily, was with us at dinner and shared that her grandfather had been a migrant worker many years ago. He was from El Salvador and traveled to California each year to work. It was no wonder God had given Jonathan and Emily a desire to help us with this ministry. There are so many stories to tell of how God has connected people, churches, and resources together to make this ministry happen. Way more than I can talk about this this morning. Uh, Come back tonight to hear more as Leon is going to be sharing about that. I'll be sharing some as well. Honestly, it is overwhelming all that the Lord has done, and we must stop and praise him for what he has done, what he continues to do. All glory and honor and praise goes to him and him alone. This opportunity has not been about one person or one church. So many were needed to make this happen. So many pieces of the puzzle needed to fall into place. God provided the people and he put all the pieces together. Many of you helped with food and prayer and with serving. There were no less than 50 people from Ten Mile who made desserts, cooked meals, prayed, and came to serve meals to the migrant workers at First Baptist Centralia, who so graciously allowed us to use their fellowship hall. Even the pastor there, when Leon and I first met him, had, had, he really didn't know us at all or really what we were about other than we wanted to come and help migrant workers. And he said, oh yeah, those guys I've been praying for for a while. But yeah, the Lord has been at work all over the place in bringing this together. The Lord conveniently placed the First Baptist Centralia on the backside of the motel where the migrants stay. Sugar Camp Baptist Church in Mount Vernon provided a place for Pastor Jonathan and the other pastors who came with him to stay. Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mount Vernon provided various care items. The local Gideons chapter, a Hamilton camp through David Dykstra provided Bibles, uh, Spanish-English Bibles. IBSA provided some funding, and one of our Illinois Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Groups provided a shower and laundry trailer for the migrant workers to use. Thank you so much to those who served in so many ways. The healthy, functioning body of Christ was on full display that week. When the migrant worker outreach began at the beginning of October, we sat in awe as the Lord worked, and he absolutely blew me and those that were a part of it away. As I spent 17 or so hours in a plane on my return trip from Central Asia and then a five-hour drive home from Chicago to McLeansboro on Monday, October 3rd, the first day of the outreach to the migrant workers was taking place. Pastor Jonathan brought to Southern Illinois with him two other Hispanic pastors from the Chicago area, Rene Corona of Iglesia Batista Alpha y Omega and Ricardo Alcala of Iglesia Camino al Cielo. Pastor Tony Munoz from Iglesia Batista Latina in Effingham also joined them. And interesting enough, um, Tony and I were in seminary together 15, 16 years ago. So it was cool to be able to be reconnected there um, in this unexpected way that God put together. As I landed in Chicago on the night of the third, it hit me. I had been in Chicago at this exact same time a year earlier. It had been exactly a year to the day that I first shared the idea with Jonathan, and exactly one year later, it was happening. God is faithful. On the evenings of October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, approximately 100 migrant workers staying at the Centralia Motel 
made their way across the alley behind the, behind the motel to First Baptist Centralia where we served meals to the migrant workers. We had no idea what to expect. I missed the first evening due to my travels, but my understanding is that the migrant workers were a little bit hesitant on Monday evening. They were uncertain why we were feeding them and attempting to show kindness to them. They were not used to this kind of treatment from Anglos, as we later learned. On Tuesday and Wednesday night, they felt more comfortable and at ease. They had full bellies. They picked up the care items from the supply table. Um, Tony got them involved in playing different instruments, um, as he said that uh, they enjoy doing in Latin American culture. They heard the gospel. By the end of Wednesday night, 16 in total for that week had responded to the preaching of the gospel, saying they wanted to follow Christ. Remember what I said earlier, or what I read earlier from Romans chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word must be proclaimed. We must get this message out there to the world around us. I could not stop smiling while I was witness to this on that Wednesday, or Tuesday and Wednesday. This outreach was far more than I could have ever imagined. My meager prayer was that at least one or two would hear the gospel and respond. In total, 18 of them have now responded, and a few of them were baptized before returning to their homes in Mexico recently. And I was reminded of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, Or think, he did that. (laughs) He's still doing that. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It was such a contrast entering into the migrant worker outreach after returning from Central Asia. As you may recall from earlier, the missionaries in Central Asia spoke of their discouragement and disappointment in faithfully sharing the gospel with very little to no response from those they share it with. When you see little fruit from your labors, it can make you question whether your sacrifice has been worth it. It is worth it. The gospel of Jesus Christ alone changes hearts. Never give up proclaiming it. This is why we must encourage and strengthen one another to press on, to persevere, to endure in our walk with Christ and in the task he has entrusted to us in the Great Commission to make disciples to the ends of the earth. It is our job to proclaim the gospel and plant the seed. It is God who will give the growth. We have to be obedient on our part of proclaiming the message, but God is the one who will do the work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, the Apostle Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. Eighteen men became followers of Christ the first week of October 2022 in that fellowship hall in Centralia. One of the men told one of the Hispanic pastors that he had been praying that he would learn about God when he came to the U.S. to work. God answered his prayer. It was obvious the Lord had made the soil fertile in the hearts of these men. 
Join me in praying that the Lord would do the same for those in Central Asia who are planting seeds in clods of dirt, just begging God to see signs of something taking root. Pray the same for the migrant workers who did not respond to the gospel, as well as for your lost family, for your friends, for your neighbors, your co-workers. Pray the Lord would fill the ground, or till the ground and clear the obstacles from their hearts and minds that the gospel would take root in them, resulting in a new creation. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians verse five, or chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There are 18 new creations um, as of that first weekend in October. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. These men coming to southern Illinois for the pumpkin harvest each fall did not know that it was actually them who were going to be harvested this year. In John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus said, Do not say, there are yet four months. And I know this is Leon's favorite verse. There are yet four months. I don't want to steal your thunder. (laughs) Um, There are yet four months. Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Look up, church. Look out at this world before you. God is painting his masterpiece and he has commissioned and commanded us to be a part of it. Do not give in to fear that would keep you from going, from stepping out, of interacting with those from another culture who may not look or sound like us, or of walking across the street to talk to our neighbors. Look up, church. The fields are white for harvest. Will you take the precious gift of the gospel of salvation only found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to the nations? Please do not waste your life allowing your fear in the enemy, Satan, to trap you in, in, in our comfortable homes uh, while we have the answer that the lost and dying world around us needs to hear. He has given us the power and love and self-control to accomplish the task he's given to each one of us who has trusted Christ for our salvation. As one missionary friend of Melissa and I's once said, we must hold loosely to the things of this world. All of this world will one day pass away, so hold loosely to it. Do not hinder the work of the Lord because of your hold on something fleeting in this life. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. There is a crown of righteousness the Lord will award you if you persevere, if you endure to the end, and you will endure to the end if you are truly a believer in Christ. Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 24, verses 13 through 14, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It must be proclaimed to all nations in order for the end to come. So Jamie, if you would come forward at this time as I uh, prepare to close. Church, endure, persevere, don't give up. Encourage and strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is worth temporary suffering, trials, and persecution in this life to preach the gospel and live for Christ. These are temporary afflictions. They are but a vapor in light of eternity. It is worth it, church. Pursue Christ and never stop. As we enter into a time of prayer, I want to leave you with this passage from Psalm 22, which is known as a messianic psalm. If you, if you read the beginning of the psalm, you'll recognize it as, as one of the, the things that Christ says when he's on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But later in this, in this psalm, um, David writes, 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Uh, Church, will you pray with me? Father, thank you for for your work in the world. Um, Thank you for work in, in a farm here in southern Illinois, in a fellowship hall in Centralia. And in the works of hearts of migrant workers who didn't know what they were coming to receive this year. Father, I pray for our missionary partners and believers in Central Asia who, who struggle um, as they share the gospel uh, uh, to see fruit. I pray that they would see fruit, that you would till up the ground to make it fertile, Lord. And I pray for conviction in hearts today um, as, a, as a call for people to come forward to pray if they're feeling led in any way, um, Lord, to step out in faith, to follow Christ and whatever they may be calling them to do. And, and even something from a simple conversation that started over a family lunch to something that's grown into much more that we could possibly imagine. Father, I pray that you would call people out, um, that you would lead us to share the gospel and proclaim it to the ends of the earth, no matter the cost. Father, we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.